I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Hi. Welcome to High Crime. Now, today is going to be a little bit different because we've had some personal health problems. You know, whatever. There's stuff happens. Uh, Helene's going to sit this one out, but our good friend Jamie is going to fill in for her. Hi, Jamie. Hi. Hi. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> you don't have to go yet. I'm not done. I just oh. was saying hi. <laughs> <laughs> you were so ready to say Joe, Joe Berlinger. Joe Berlinger. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So what I was going to say <laughs> is because, so again, we're a little delayed now. This would have been right after the release of Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, but it's not. But <laughs> the point was, because that was just released on Netflix, we figured, why not tackle our first heavy hitter? So, also, because Jamie happens to be a, not fan of Ted Bundy, but maybe uh, that's... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Fan of two. Yeah, like, that's the, one of the, like, that would be her favorite murder, mm -hmm. if she was on My Favorite Murder. Mm -hmm. so, also, we have to remember that he's 5'10", so he can't really be oh, right. that attractive. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't make the cut. So. Although I imagine Zac Efron isn't very tall either. I'm just going to try to get with Zac Efron. <laughs> Not even in his Ted Bundy outfit. <laughs> Not even in his Ted Bundy outfit. <laughs> um, yeah, Ted Bundy is my first serial killer. So I also, like, I mean, the first one I knew about. <laughs> Not the first one I slept with. Um, hopefully never. Ooh. I mean, he's dead, so really, hopefully, never. Oh, I just mean the serial killer in general. Oh. <laughs> I was like, please don't. Okay. I don't even... No, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> um, speaking of the prevalence of speaking, sleeping with serial killers, here's what I'm going to tell you from our good friend, Joe Berlinger, who directed the movie, okay? He directed the movie with Zac Efron, and then he also directed, am I wrong? The documentary. The documentary. The, I think it like the, the Ted Bundy tapes, whatever that one was. Yeah, yeah. Which is, that was better than the Zac Efron movie. Yeah. But also, listen, Joe, I don't want to throw you under the bus, but like, I don't know if I really liked either one of them, but oh. we'll, get, we'll right. get to that. All right, all right. Um, okay. America. America. That's so great. Repeating the beautiful. <laughs> I was like, addressing America and America okay. has 5% of the world's population. Which is really interesting. We are so insignificant. Maybe in oh, America, I know. You should remember that a little bit more. Um, but we have sixty-seven percent of the world serial killers. Yeah, it's a lot of countries say it's a very American thing, which is not necessarily true because, like, Britain has serial killers. Like, there are serial killers. Yeah, but it definitely is more. Definitely is more prevalent in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I've got for that. No, it's not. <laughs> oh. no, it's not. Okay. So, we kind of, I'm just going to touch on this, all right? We get that true crime is, like, really in right now, quote, unquote, okay? But that's not actually what's happening, and people that think that this is, like, this weird, like, sick whatever thing, it's actually very important to talk about, and so... Just realize, especially when we're talking about Ted Bundy, because I feel like that's a very common thing where people are like, oh, you let this guy get off because he's hot and now you have this weird fascination with, like, someone that's horrible. But I just want that to be addressed because that is not what is happening. It's just something that you need to talk about as well. Yeah. And I'm not in love with Ted Bundy. Right. And, and, 
we I think we get into this later, but I also just want to say it bothers me when people get so upset and they're like, everyone wants to fuck Ted Bundy. Like, I'm not saying that. Mm-mm. I'm like, I it, it's like people who when they don't like, I don't know, like Justin Bieber, they're like, he's he can't sing. He's the worst. He's he has no talent. It's like, OK, he like taught he like has YouTube videos where he like plays guitar yeah. at, like eight. Like, it's fine to say you don't like him. There's plenty of music I don't like. Mm-hmm. but I'm not saying those musicians aren't talented. And so it's like when everyone's like vehemently like, oh, he was never attractive. Like you're just, you just want to fuck a serial killer. You're just being basic. It's yeah. like, no, the whole point is that he was attractive because uh, serial killers don't just look like, you know, monsters. They're not just yeah. like the guys who like grab you in an alley. Like it's m- more often than not, I think it's like, there's a, definitely a statistic about it. Like more often than not, it's people you know. That is true. That is true. And, like, well, we'll come to see and realize that. But also, being people that you know is another great reason why we should continue supporting true crime. Because guess what? When we sit around and talk about it, people and cases more likely are solved. Especially found. cold cases. Yes. Yeah, like Billy, uh, Billy Jensen, um, who, you know, he was on Jensen and Holes. He worked on Golden State Killer book. Like, he's... I mean, he's an amazing investigative journalist, Um, but he's a big proponent of this because it's like, if this is how you get the message out to a large group of people, because the thing is, it's like with cold cases, like one little thing can make a difference. So you might think, you know, all that case is 20 years old. Like you're not talking about it to, you know, to help solve the case, but it's like, I mean, literally if someone remembers, like there was this one case that I just listened to and it's like these two kids had the people who were the killers had were wearing all black. And so this old woman who was like a neighbor of where these people got murdered uh-huh. cuz they the cops were like don't say have you seen anything like did you see anything crazy or weird. Yeah. Say did you see anything that seemed a little out of the ordinary. Huh. And this woman just off the cuff was just like actually you know what these two people were dressed all in black and like this. And so she described them to the person at the police station who draws the pictures. <laughs> um, drawer. Sure. And uh, that, I mean, it literally helps solve the case. So it's, yeah. it's like if someone hears about a case that maybe, like, maybe they lived in the same town and they remembered that colored car. Like, you just don't know. You and don't know. And literally any piece of information can help. So talking about it can only help. You never know. And also, it's like, you know, it was 20 years ago. Okay. Just like shout out real quick. My parents love them. They're old as fuck. Okay. They had me pretty late as well. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of that kind of stuff going around in terms of like being able to share and communicate across the country or even, you know, 10, 15 miles apart. So it's really good then to like people that you would, yeah, exactly. That might just happen to know who this random is person is in this picture because they never saw one because they were just. Yep out of the jurisdiction or well, whatever or you just or maybe you just didn't even know like you yeah. like like that woman like maybe you saw something that kind of stayed in your mind but you didn't really know why but then someone asked the right question and you're like oh wait I did notice that license plate like yeah. you know what I mean it's just so yeah so you know what just get off our back yeah we're That's doing funny. a civil service our good friend Shane Alexander guess what he's a sergeant and he said with some cold cases the only way we were ever going to solve these is just that one person who might know the information that we don't and be able to share that. That could be you. (laughs) Okay. 
we're back to our friend Joe. And this is very, I think, important to obviously why Ted Bundy is so intense and what and and so fascinating or whatever. And this is also what we were just talking about in the same way that you don't know who will remember something. You also don't know who's going to be a serial killer. Um, <laughs> Flawless. Straight up. <laughs> and uh, so Bundy even himself said, you know, like, don't think of serial killers as they come out of the shadows and they have long fangs and there's blood dripping off and blah, blah, blah. They're people you least suspect. Your priest. That's a pedophile. Your corporate boss. Guess what? Tobacco industry. And this is me as a smoker. You guys just killed a bunch of people. Hey, man, just a boss at a publication. Like, <laughs> they can be crazy. Insane. So, just think about that. They're among us and not to scare you, but also, you know, how they're able to get away with things like this. So, Bundy, we start in 1974, where young female <laughs> college students are disappearing in Washington State. Yes, and just one more disclaimer is, I know we kind of mentioned the whole, is he attractive, like, whatever thing. But I just, I know that another reason people get upset, and Jamie kind of said this already, is that Bundy himself gets so much attention and all these, you know, young women who could have had these amazing lives, they don't. And so we're not going to do that. We're not going to forget about them. Uh, this is probably going to be a bunch of different episodes because we're talking a lot and mm -hmm. we're stoned and it happens. Um, but one of the things we're definitely going to do is we're going to go through every victim of Ted Bundy and tell you something about them that is not just how they died because I think it is important, and so we're going to talk about them, too. Yes. But now we're going to talk about Ted. <laughs> yeah, first. First, first. Um, okay, so I don't know. I feel like I'm very open about talking about mental illness and things in the world, so I think this is a conversation I have lots of times, but maybe it's not as common. But it's that whole nurture versus nature thing, and mm -hmm. Ted Bundy is an excellent example of that, okay? Because... Well, we'll see. You know, some shit happens <laughs> to him. He makes some decisions. But then there's also, you know, like certain things where I think you were just maybe possibly born that way. But yeah, well, I think I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but it's just kind of like, yeah, there's that thing where like, were they just born evil or are people made evil? And it, I think it's always I think it's a, a mixture because you might have that gene or you're, you might have that you know, certain areas of your brain correlate to certain feelings and are not feelings. And so maybe you have that predisposition, but nothing set it off. Like mm -hmm. you could live a completely, like we were just saying, you could be a CEO and be yeah. a sociopath because of how you interact with in society, but it doesn't mean you're a killer. So I yeah. think it definitely is this kind of complicated mixture. No, I think it, I think it definitely is. And it even... You know, and and this is kind of like, okay, maybe you were born with it, or maybe it happened in, like, the, your early stages of life, because... <laughs> I'm sorry, I wonder if people can hear my dog eating oh, in the background. Um, yeah, that's Daisy. She all right. only eats when she wants to eat. Yeah, which is right now. So right now. It's just going to happen. Anyway. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. And this made complete sense to me when I read this. So, uh, Al Carlisle, he's the psychologist, and he helped um, convict Ted... 
And he kind of talks about this of like how children respond to something happening to them. So like if you have, you know, kind of like a lonely childhood or like something in your life when you're younger, you don't fit in or you like, you know, don't enjoy where you are and want to escape or whatever thing like that, then how people deal with that is they start having these fantasies to come from themselves. And that makes complete and utter sense. Like Mm -hmm. kids, you know, it's the the other side of that is that kids are like, you know, have these great creative make-believes. But that fantasy um, can then like start as just what is normally like, oh, you know, kind of just a fantasy or whatever. And then other triggering events can kind of change that. So that's kind of what happened with um, Ted Bundy. Okay. Because he wasn't really outgoing and he has like kind of a crazy upbringing that we're going to talk about in a second but um basically he had some younger step siblings that were like kind of more of this complete family thing and he was just kind of on the outside and he thought he wasn't like getting a lot of attention he was kind of just this loner so which i mean that happens a you'll you'll see that a lot of serial killers were not all of them but a lot of times they had at least one phase where they were a loner and did, had a hard time making friends and connecting with people um, but to be fair, Ted Bundy's life was kind of fucked up because he grew up thinking that the woman that was his, actually his mother was his sister. His, so it was like his mom got pregnant and it was a time where the parents were like, we're not going to just let people know that you're pregnant and unmarried. Mm-hmm. So they like sent her away somewhere to have the baby. And then she came back and then all of a sudden it was like, they had a kid. Mm-hmm. So literally he grew up his whole, for most of his life thinking that his grandfather was his father. Well, okay. So this is the part I didn't want to go into. Well, first off one, it's way more like I've heard too many stories about people that grow up thinking their mom is their sister. Oh yeah. It's I know people very common. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that should be common. No. Um, let's kind of try and drop expectations of single women and, not have this weird thing that's going to screw over your And also kid. just, like, not begin someone's life with a lie. Exactly. Besides Santa Claus. I mean, come on. Oh, I mean, come on. That's, like, barely that's a lie. Um, that's allowing them to believe in magic. That's a gift. Exactly. That's when you live out your fantasies. Mm-hmm. Don't do it in the way Ted Bunny did. <laughs> um, but, no, here – okay, because what I will say is that, yes, that is true that he grew up, but also, like, he and his mom, so he's from Vermont, and then he and his mom, like, moved to the West Coast, Seattle or whatever, when he was still, like, fairly young. Like, I don't know how old. I'm going to say, like, 10 or so. So, like, still in, like, mm-hmm. elementary school or whatever. So, like, even if he did think that was his dad and whatever, like, he kind of understood. And there, I was reading up on this because I was trying to find out, like, when he figured it out. and like. Oh, I have that. Okay, good. Because apparently he, like called his mom his sister as well like even mm-hmm. before he knew he would call her mom because she became like this maternal oh, like okay. figure but then he'd also call her like a sister and yeah. so like he just kind of I guess didn't, like not even thought you know necessarily like his mom well that too but like kind of had this different maybe you just know because like you're biologically like, yeah. yeah no I think that makes complete sense okay but anyway so he has like a fucked up childhood and then also it's you know he had some time for it to be corrected okay um, well, so we don't actually know who Bundy's dad is. Um, his mother said it was a sailor she met named Jack Worthington. Um, but people suspect that was a cover up and actually his father was his grandfather. 
Samuel Cowell, who was apparently abusive. Mm. Um, I really hope it was just that fun sailor story. I mean, that's so much better. <laughs> that sounds a lot better to me, even if you never get to meet him, than it being incest and yeah. not consensual. Mm-hmm. And especially because then Ted goes on to look up to his grandfather so much, right. which is like, maybe that's just because he's the only other male around, but also like, so you have this fucked up grandfather that abusive and potentially sleeping with his child, not sleeping with, raping his child. Yeah. Um you know, and then Ted looks up to him and then Ted kind of turns out the way he does. Right. So. There you go. See, fucked up childhood. Yeah. Fucked up childhood. And also he, he might have had inklings, but apparently when the way he actually found out that his mom or that his sister was his mom was that one of his cousins was just being a dick and straight up showed him a copy of his birth certificate because he was making fun of him. Can you um, fucking imagine? I definitely can because I have a cousin that's actually like not a cousin, good family friend, and we call her our cousin. And I remember being 11 years old and she was like talking about how much she loved my grandma. And she wasn't even saying like, I love our grandma. She was like, I love your grandma. And I was like, yeah, and she's my grandma. You're not in our family. Like <laughs> I could totally see myself doing that. I don't know well, how yeah, old this we, cousin was. We've also but... talked about how you're probably i am i am i know i should should we tell them that yet we can see how we feel yeah we'll get to it so now we're gonna go into around this time is when he starts peeping tomming which which i didn't even know that he did also just i don't like that those two words together they don't peeping tom yes it's not even like the thing of it it's just the words (laughs) but yeah i didn't actually know that as well and that makes a lot more sense yeah because because like you said it's that that Going through what we found in researching, it really does – there's kind of a very clear trajectory, yeah. I think. And he really – he starts with these fantasies, and then he gets, like – he, like, creeps around and is voyeuristic, mm-hmm. and it just escalates and escalates until fantasy can no longer hold any kind of excitement because mm-hmm. you're just – you're desensitized. Yeah. So then – And it's that whole idea that, yeah, you don't just wake up and kill – like, there no. is this, you know, escalation process mm-hmm. that's not – and so, again, like, numerous times for someone to intercede there and keep this <laughs> from happening. But, but yeah, so, you know, it makes complete sense. He started peeping or whatever, and then he kind of starts, like, developing that into, like, you know, obviously, like, sexual feelings, mm-hmm. and it's, like, this weird thing. And I think this also kind of relates to his grandma, who he thought was his mom. Like, he describes her as being, like, very timid and, like, very um, – like the word I want submissive yes exactly um and so then like after he starts developing these fantasies of like controlling women yeah you know even more so than like sex or like they're like raping them but like controlling them yeah. and like and that's I think really interesting and you know it's honestly I feel like in a weird way he wasn't even like looking to kill them like you know, like, that's kind of, like... It was just the power. It was just the power, exactly. Which and is like, honestly a lot of times what rape comes down to. Like, yeah, people say totally. stupid things about what you're wearing or, like, you know, certain people are more likely to get raped. And it's really, like, when it comes down to it, it's not... this. We're not talking about a sexual relationship. We're not talking yeah. about romance. We're talking about someone wanting to demean someone else and have power over them. Completely. And I think that also speaks a lot, too, when he goes back, like, you know, he's a necrophiliac or whatever, mm-hmm. necrophiliac. Um, yeah, when he goes back and it's like, you know, he can't, it's, it's, that, and that's why it's like, 
kind of odd that, you know, he kills them or that, or that that wasn't, you know, this main driving force in this escalation because once you kill them, you can't control them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge part about him going back and trying to still control something that's not even, like, alive yeah. and, like, you know, be a complete part of it or whatever. Yeah, like, he said yeah. we – I think that's probably somewhere in here. But he yeah. says at one point that it's it's about, like, possessing someone's soul. Yeah, like, yeah, how yeah. fucking disturbing Bizarre. is that? Bizarre. Ugh. All right, so that's going on. He's escalating. He's also shoplifting, starting to like rush. Yeah, complete rush. And as a shoplifter, it is a rush. Don't do it. I was just gonna say. (laughs) (laughs) It's also a really, really depressing moment when you get caught. So just think about that. (laughs) I uh, I remember one time uh, I accidentally stole something, Mm. and when I was a kid, we were on the boardwalk, and I. I think I wanted to show my sister a keychain or something. And of mm-hmm. course she was not paying attention to me. And then I just got distracted and then they, my parents paid whatever they got and they left the store and like a block down the boardwalk. I just started crying because I was like, I still, it was like, I remember it clearly. Oh my God. It was like this little Dalmatian kind of keychain and there was like water in it. So you could like oh, turn it and the image would move God. because my sister loves 101 Dalmatians. Oh my God. So I never had like the fun rush of it because I'm too much of a good I was going to say, and so Kayla was born with all the goodness in her heart and then raised <laughs> in a very loving household. <laughs> And that's when you can go right. <laughs> I try. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I've, it's like, you kind of, it's great. It's getting away with something. It's the same way, like, when you're a kid and you, like, lie to your parents and they, like, you, well, you think they believe you and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's that same kind of feeling. So, like, I get that. And also what happens, what I ended up having with that, too, is this is when he starts, like, shutting down, which is a whole other thing of, like, you know, how does psychopaths, you know, do they have emotions or do they just kind of mimic people or whatever. So I don't know if he necessarily even had the emotional ability to experience guilt, but he like starts being like, fuck it because he's getting away with this stuff or whatever. And then not feeling bad about it. And so he's like shutting down whether real or just contrived, like this idea that he has to be held responsible for anything he does. So. Yeah. Um, the idea of shutting down your feelings of guilt is something that I can't really having been raised as a Catholic and having gone to Catholic school, I cannot even imagine not no. feeling guilty. I'll like wake up and I'll like wake up from a nightmare. And literally the nightmare was rem- me remembering that when we were like six, we were at my cousin's house and my sister went to slide down a slide and her bathing suit got caught on a nail on the sliding Ooh. board. So it was like, it was like that sunscreen bottle. Oh, the dogs, yeah. like, and I laughed first before helping her. I literally will have nightmares about that I didn't immediately react to help her. I guarantee you, she doesn't even remember that. Yeah. Oh, of course not. Thanks, yeah. Catholic guilt. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say I have that in <laughs> I was raised, um, where was I raised? Uh, Pres- no, not Presbyterian. I don't know. Um, so I don't really have that necessarily, but just also the idea of, being able to shut down emotion. That's just something I can't fathom. No. <laughs> I have all the emotions in the world. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, he had moments where he kind of was passing as a normal human, and he graduated from high school in 1965. He enrolled in the University of Puget Sound. Puget. Puget. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's also Oregon, not Oregon, if you 
he, he never gets oh. organ, I don't think, but. Organ. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm the expert West Coast. Um, yeah, I'm from the East Coast, which is funny because Colleen's in the East Coast now, but. I'm from New Mexico. It's not really the West Coast, but my God, what do I want to be next to? That or Texas? Oh, Jesus. Anyways, Puget Sound. Yeah. Good school. So, he, well, he was well, only there for a year. I was going to say, actually, I don't know if it was from the <laughs> 70s, but. <laughs> Um, but he wasn't there very long. He, this I did not know either. He went to the University of Washington and at first he went to study Chinese, mm-hmm. which I guess makes sense like business wise, but I just, yeah. I had no idea. I picture him as that like, well, which way he was like that white boy being like, yeah, I study Chinese because uh, it was hard. Yeah. Oh like, God. You yeah, know, like I really challenge myself. Yeah. Oh, I don't have a television. Yeah. Oh, I listen to records on vinyl. I'm sorry, can you turn on this oven to heat up this burrito? It's going to take 30 minutes, but I won't use the microwave. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, so that didn't last either. In 1968, <laughs> he re-enrolled, and I think most people know he was a psychology major. Um, when he was, oh, here's what I wanted to tell you. So when he was out of school, he went back home uh, to visit the East Coast, and that, they think, is when he found out that his mother was actually who he right. was his sister. Right. So it was like kind of a very bumpy time for him to begin with. Mm-hmm. Also, that's a very important time in your like psychological development. Like between, I think it's for men, it's like between 16 and 20 is oh. like when you'll like develop like, you know, how you'll react to things. Yeah. Or even like when mental illnesses will manifest. Oh, oh, right. Cause yeah. So, I like, know schizophrenia is, yeah, like, early 20s. Exactly. And, like, with schizophrenia, like, you have to have kind of, like, a triggering event. So, right. like, that's a very – and, like, it also happens often with, like, bipolar. There'll be kind of this triggering event. But, anyways, that's, like, a very difficult time to be having things going on because your brain yeah. is, like, literally about to blossom but, into the beautiful flower it is. Oh, I went the <laughs> other way. But, yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever – this might be really insensitive, but do you ever kind of think, like, since we're in our late 20s, or I we, guess technically your mid-20s, yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe we get it. I seriously you know, you do. you just never know. Uh, no, it's schizophrenia is in my family, so that was, like, a very real oh. thing. And, like, Kelly and I used to talk about that, and we were, like, we were just so worried. And to the point where if I had, like, a weird dream, I'd go and consult Kelly and, like, do you think that means I'm schizophrenic? Like, oh my God. I don't think my parents ever realized, which, you know, on the plus side, they, like, very openly talked about mental illness. That's Great. Good. But also, I don't think they realized how terrifying we were. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just thinking that. That would be a really scary thing to just kind of hang over a kid, especially because you're not really going to understand what schizophrenia is. Mm Because, I mean, not adults don't always. So, just, like, the idea of this kind of thing that you won't be able to just get rid of, that you don't know what it'll make you do. Like, hey, just just so you know, this might happen. Yeah. (laughs) No. But. Yeah. But so, um... Yeah, so not a good time for this to be not happening. But then he also, at UW, he started dating Elizabeth Cloffer, who is the one in the Zac Efron movie. It's about, it's actually from her perspective. Um, she was a divorcee from Utah. She worked as a secretary at the School of Medicine on campus, and she had a little daughter. Yes. I am reading her book currently. Right. It is out of 
publication? What do you call yeah, that? you can't buy it unless you buy a version on 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 YouTube. <laughs> I was on, thinking, yes, I just cried <laughs> on eBay for like honestly hundreds of dollars. Yeah. One was listed for like seven hundred and fifty dollars. Oh yeah, and it's like okay, so it's ninety six pages when you find a random PDF version that you can download and then print off and use all the paper at your work to make into a little <laughs> book for yourself. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty short book, so you know it's uh, probably love her probably not worth um, the seven hundred fifty dollars <laughs> that's fair um but it's really fascinating and I really like it first off I just I'm so excited to finish it because this girl just like even without like the Ted Bunny stuff and whatever like I just I'm like I so care about you like you remind me like she just seems like a cool freaking girl and like the way she reacts I'm like yep that's how I would do it and like mm-hmm. she's just I really connect with her so I'm like if nothing else I just want to hear like her all thoughts the, yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. And she comes from this interest. She was from like Utah, and like I don't know. That's also like a very interesting thing about like kind of back to like the Catholic guilt. I don't know what Mormons call it, but <laughs> she, she I don't was, either. Caffeine. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, she was raised Mormon, and oh, apparently they're when you're not a real Mormon, you're called a Jack Mormon. I don't know. Huh. Learned that. So was she a Jack Mormon? So she was a Jack Mormon. And so that was also, I guess, a lot of the reason that she moved to Seattle um, after she got divorced. Oh, right. Because that's like, Utah. Or, or Utah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say that's Mormon country, yeah. but I said that's Utah. <laughs> that's Utah. Um, oh. but Utah yeah. is Utah. Yeah. Utah is Utah. Listen, hey, guess what? Uh, they talk about that, Ted and her, on their first date, and he says, where is Utah? Is that in Wyoming? <laughs> and then they talk about it. So guess what? No one knows where Utah is. Um, she also then is like, she was like, I described it as like the area around the Great Salt Lake. And I was like, so you knew where the Great Salt Lake was, but you didn't know where fucking Utah is? Like, <laughs> you know? No. Um, but anyways, weird outsider Mormon didn't necessarily feel personal guilt but was raised in this community where it was very unacceptable to and maybe this is also something that you know goes into why she and Ted connected but very unacceptable to be a single mom right and so she went to Seattle with her really cool friend Angie dope really fun and um yeah and then was raising her daughter by herself so props to her Mm mm-hmm now back to Ted. Now back to Ted. Okay. So that's our one girl. Our other girl we have going on is going to be, what's her name? Oh, fuck. Who? Her his serious girlfriend. That's his serious girlfriend. No, no, no. I mean the one he like uh, fucking ghosts. Oh. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to the suicide hotline. Uh, like. Jenny or something? No, that's not right. No, that's not right. Hold on. Look it up. Stephanie. Stephanie. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey. I literally Googled Ted Bundy love of his life. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, Jamie Kaler. <laughs> but oh, I found it on Twisted Mind. Oh. That's actually Thanks, where Twisted I was. Mi- oh. <laughs> that's, I was reading there too earlier. Twisted Mind think alike. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Um, no, it's interesting because, so Stephanie is like this whole catalyst and we'll get into that. But one thing I think is kind of, so, okay. So, okay. Back to Ted first. All right. So he's in Seattle. He's hanging out. He's dating the girl. We're going to call, can we call her Liz? Is that her actual real name? 
like yeah. his actual girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just to clarify, we're saying that because in Anne Rules, The Stranger Beside Me, she doesn't use her real name to protect her privacy, so she calls her Meg. So that yeah. was very, very confusing after yeah. reading that book. And then I, I th- was like, did he have another long-term serious yeah. girlfriend that I didn't realize? And then she writes her book. Luckily, it's under Elizabeth. But it's, like, a different last name. Oh, yeah. So then you're, like, who – and which also, like, of course, like, you want to just be left alone. And yeah, stuff. that's, that's true. totally fine. But, um, but yeah. So, anyways, Liz. Liz. <laughs> and he's hanging out with Liz. And he's also working at a suicide hotline crisis center, which is extremely interesting. Yeah. Can okay? we just take a minute? Yeah. This serial – this prolific serial killer spent – like, this is, this is why I get so mad on people, like, just make it all, like – we're having a crush on him as opposed to it's fascinating beyond his looks he really knew how to wear a mask Mm -hmm. like not only was he just you know charming at a bar but like he fucking worked at a suicide hotline he probably saved lives that's what annual says in her book she says like you know for all that ted did and all these women's lives he's destroyed he also saved lives she sure says that yeah and he was very good at it which is insane and it's also crazy because He's working next to Anne Roll, who we'll also get into, but um, she's a former police officer, and then she becomes a true crime writer, and then her book is The Stranger Beside Me. So good. Much better title than uh, Liz's book, which is like The Phantom Prince or something. Oh my god. It's the worst. <laughs> it's so um, bad. <laughs> it's, it's rough. But, I'm just um, thinking like SEO. I'm like, no one's going to search <laughs> for that. <laughs> the Phantom Prince. Um, but yeah, uh, so like Anne Roll, he's hanging out with, and like eventually Anne and Liz are like two of the people that call in and like eventually like they're like I think it might be Ted but they both are like well, even when they do kind of refer him to tip lines they they're always kind of like well this absolutely can't be true but I'm just the coincidence like Ted yeah. has this like yeah even when they do it like Anne Rule was like certain she was like but she was a cop so yeah. she you know knew that you should give the tip so she mm-hmm. calls her cop friend and she's like yeah, there's no way this is him. Yeah. But he, you know, see what kind of car he drives mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it didn't end up mattering. At yeah. least not at first. <laughs> uh, no, because I guess a lot of shit goes, you know, falls through. Actually, I was reading her book too, and it's like she goes to a cop, and not only does a cop, like, say, um, Liz's book, not only does a cop say, like, you know, oh, like, we'll look into it, and it drops. They're like, oh, we've already looked into it, and he, like, checks out. So it's like, so that cop just super, yeah. <laughs> Just like, uh, um, okay. <laughs> I think the issue is they get so many tips. So basically the point is don't, like, if okay, any piece of information can make a difference. But if you really don't think it's important, don't fucking call the tip line. Yeah. Because it gets inundated with everybody like, my neighbor has brown hair, maybe it's mm-hmm. him. Like, fuck off, Debbie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're burying the actual leads yeah. in a bunch of bullcrap. Here's what I also think is really interesting about Anne and his um, relationship. Yeah, and friendship is that, so, okay, so he ends up talking to her a lot about his relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's another reason why she, like, you know, is like, oh, maybe this guy, like, has problems with girls because we'll get into his other, his main love, Mm -hmm. Stephanie, Stephanie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Stephanie. Um, But, you know, like, She's like, oh, but he's, like, this emotional guy that's telling me about his love life and how he's 
in love with this girl, but then things are going good with Liz. And so he, like, literally, like, consults her about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, he doesn't do anything because that's, I feel like that's the first thing. Whenever something like this happens, you know, you, you look at everyone around that person. How could they not know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, fucking Anne Rule didn't know. Not only is she a crime writer, but she was a cop. Like, her job is to notice those things. But it was because he was, he was so good at mimicking humanity. Yeah. Oh, completely. And maybe he had a little emotion because he did definitely follow head over heels with yes. the first girl, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. and she's very it's very interesting um relationship so basically they end up like I forget where they meet or whatever but they're like dating and they're like actually really happy or something <laughs> or something <laughs> who's ever happy um and then she ends up breaking up with him because she thinks that he's like not going to go anywhere and mm-hmm. she's very wealthy and they're from different kind of like societies and like he's, which was like a huge chip on Ted's shoulder to oh begin with the fact that he isn't like wealthy like because he's he's all in the whole political world and so like everybody has so much money and he just like comes from nothing yeah yeah and it was and it ends up like manifesting again so it's funny well okay <laughs> got so so energized yeah it's normally I'm so happy I'm not saying this we're not talking because I'm so high instead I'm just <laughs> over talking productive great um but yes this like ends up becoming a huge thing with him about being successful and making something of himself mm-hmm. which is actually also really interesting because it's like you could have you were actually really smart yeah, like yeah it's a it's a waste like we'll yeah. get into it but like the judge says yeah like, you could have been, been we'll, we'll get into we'll it. it but um this really like and this is you know again like do sociopaths have feelings because he was heartbroken mm-hmm. about stephanie and also like I think Kayla and I both agree what set it all off. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Ted, one of the things Ted Bundy is known for is having so incredibly specific of a victim. Mm-hmm. Like some people, you know, of course, the more varied your, you know, your victimology is, the harder it is to find you. But Ted was very, you know, long brown hair, parted down the middle, like that specific. And that all comes from that's what Stephanie looked like. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of times they have that one person that they want to actually inevitably get, like Ed mm-hmm. Kemper and his mom. Yeah, exactly. And it clearly, because here's the other thing he does that's great. I want you to tell the story of what he does for three years, because you'll probably come at it as not thinking it's the best thing in the world. This is the one thing I actually really like that Ted Bundy does. But hopefully he hasn't killed anyone. That he fucking makes her fall back in love with him. Oh my god. You want, you want, did you say you want me to say yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. He. This is like the most orchestrated, petty, like all the people on Twitter who are like, I'm so petty. Like, no, Ted Bundy is the most petty. So Stephanie breaks his heart. He spirals. And instead of just fucking, you know, bopping to Taylor Swift and eating some ice cream, I guess Taylor Swift wasn't around yet. So maybe <laughs> if she had been, I don't know. That's giving her a lot of credit. But he fucking creates this insane plan. He spends years bettering himself, you know, working with politicians, doing all this shit so he can get a good reputation. Mm-hmm. So then he finds Stephanie again. 
they go out again. He makes her fall in love with him. He proposes to her. And then literally, when she accepts, he fucking ghosts her. He doesn't break up with her. He ghosts. He was the first ghost. Yeah, he really was. Maybe that's why he's the Phantom Prince. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh my gosh, Liz. That um, is intense. Yeah, he literally. And dedicated. Yeah. I mean, I pride myself on my pettiness, and <laughs> I dream about having the patience to get someone back after three years, but my God, it's insane. And it's so, like, he, oh, yeah, he straight up ghosts her. It's, they're picking out, like, wedding dates. Like, it's not even just, like, they propose. It's, like, they're on some, like, Last time they see each other, they're like vacationing together right, at right. Christmas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he, she's like, "Okay, you'll come down at like spring break or whatever, and we'll get married then, and I'll have everything set up by then, and whatever." And then she doesn't hear from him. And then finally, she calls him, and he literally, she's like, "Hello, what's going on?" And he literally says, "Stephanie, I have no idea what you're talking about," and hangs up. <gasps> so he ghosted yeah. her and he gaslit her. Yes, exactly. Fuck. He is the ultimate <laughs> fuckboy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Ted Bundy for ultimate fuckboy. The worst. Oh god. I totally did not realize that I that the reason you asked me to tell that story is because that's what was next on the script. (laughs) I mean I was like, uh Oh, okay. No, no. We're in a good place. We're in a Um, Oh, sorry. I wanted to add that um so at this point, obviously he's up to some like crazy shit. But he's still doing, like, you know, little petty theft and different shit like that. He'll steal stuff from work, which, I mean. Don't we all? He steals food from work. <laughs> all right. But he steals uniforms, which just sounds weird because most work uniforms are hideous. Why are you taking that? Yeah. Um, but you can just see that he's kind of growing in this, you know, guiltless, renegade existence. Um, but... Apparently, this wasn't the ultimate trigger, or at least what's-his-face doesn't think so. Carlisle. Our good boy, Carlisle. It's also a street I lived on back home. Oh. I have a lot of, uh, it's also, ironically, so the Carlisle's name is the psychologist, and that is the street my psychologist was on (laughs) back home, so great, Carlisle. You're made for this story. Um, but yeah, he thinks that, uh, it's when he has all this uh, like failures happening to him and it's you know obviously the Stephanie thing but also like so he gets like involved in politics and then goes yeah, to he was a fucking Republican yes I mean <laughs> again you know I'm not a Republican I just like Republicans. don't hate them <laughs> God. not a Trump supporter um but yeah, he like gets involved in politics and he's all excited, so he goes to law school, which is like he's been promising to do forever because he's also the same guy that's like, uh, man, I say like so much, I gotta stop that. The same guy <laughs> that chose to try- study Chinese because it was gonna be so hard is also the guy that is constantly telling you he's gonna go to law school. Mm-hmm. Finally gets his shit together and goes to law school and then fucking drops out. That doesn't go over very well for him. No, I don't think he'd be able to handle that. Mm-mm. He has, uh, he's really pretty freaking upset. And you know when it all culminates, especially for a Republican, my God, <laughs> he just realized he can't defend the country. And on Memorial Day, he's in total craziness and he rapes Susan Davis and Elizabeth Perry on the beach. 
That's not good. The first time he has an overwhelming urge to rape her. So obviously just continuing to just spiral and that those fantasies we were talking about earlier obviously are coming back mm-hmm. more seriously. It's insane. And then, of course, again, as spiraling goes, you or escalation, rather, which is, I guess, the opposite of spiraling, but he has this feeling to rape them, and then after he does that, he has, like, his thought process, oh, I guess I have to kill them now, right? I mean, honestly, I think the law almost basically teaches you that, because it's like, you see so many, like, time and time again, you'll see that a guy will, you know, get arrested and get convicted of rape, and he'll get, you know, seven months, 18 months. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they get out early for being a good, which I don't understand how you can be on good behavior if your crime is rape and you are not around (laughs) the victims you would rape. Like, oh, good job. Like, if if, if I don't have any Reese's in the house and I don't have Reese's, it's good job, Kayla, you're so strong. No, if it was in front of me, I'd eat it. That's literally, prison's only set up for people that like to punch really strong men. Yeah. Like, that's, otherwise, how are you rehabilitating? Yeah, no. <laughs> but I guess that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's very... Anyways, so he's... Our Bundy boy's going fucking crazy, right? And he's also... Now, so fantasies have increased. He's having sexual fantasies. He's having um, death fantasies. <laughs> killing fantasies. Homicidal? Homicidal fantasies. <laughs> I mean, that too, but no. <laughs> I just... Death fantasies kind of sounded intriguing. Yeah, um, it sounds like a video game. It's, uh, yeah, it's also, yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think it kind of pairs with this. I just think death fantasies goes well with um, dark pornography, apparently, which he is he into. Was into. Of course he was. They're all fucking into that. And he ends up using that as this whole freaking defense. Right, okay, so we're not going to super go into that because I think it's fucking stupid, and even Ted did, obviously, because he didn't present it until, like, years later. Like, this wasn't his defense in court. He literally mm-hmm. just, they're interviewing him, and all of a sudden he has this whole defense. Um, but do, do we think that, you know, watching fucked up porn makes you a killer? No, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe, there might be a connection and inspiration, but you're not going to... Like, I love horror movies. I have never once wanted to kill anyone. No. Because there has to be a desire that clicks with it. It's not just like, oh, cause and effect. Watch a horror movie. Now you're a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't work like that. Um, We're not kink shaming. Watch whatever you want to watch. But also, yeah, it's just, it's not, you you cannot just get out of jail when you kill someone because, Mm -hmm. oh, like, he he says this whole thing where he's, you know, no, because we're not going to fucking talk about it. We're not going to go into it. It's stupid. But... Um, oh, we talked about this a little bit about, um, I was going to say, but this, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come down as a hard no to necrophilia. That's fair. Okay. I think that is the the kink that I think it's okay to be, Mm -hmm. to be grossed out by. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was just the Republican in me (laughs) or. (laughs) No, I think it's fair to, that's just gross. Yeah. Um. And we, oh, and we talked about this a little bit before, but for Bundy, it was the possession of a person. Like, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons he liked to come back to it, because even after he, you know, he already attacked this woman and killed her, but he liked to come back to her dead body 
because obviously it cannot fight back. Mm-hmm. And he feels like he, this is the worst part. Ugh. He says he feels like he's possessing their essence or mm-hmm. their soul. Fuck that shit, man. Ugh. But that's why ten, that Tendi? Tendi. <gasps> no, that sounds too much like a dog, Tendi. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Get out of here. Uh, well, that's the way you could name a pet without people knowing it actually is about Ted Bundy. Oh, my God. Tendi. No name dog, a.k.a. Walrus Wally. Is a.k.a. Now- Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley dog. Right. CBD. CBD. Okay. Um, That's a whole nother story. But, but yeah, so Ted killed over 30 women in, like, five years. And the thing is, like, we know about around 30 of them. Mm -hmm. But as we said, like, you definitely kind of progress in your psychopathy, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, in your fantasies. But it's also pretty unlikely that his first kill was actually his first kill. Because they really do... In addition to their fantasies, serial killers really escalate with what they actually are physically doing. Yeah. So, because he was so kind of, I don't want to say he's detail-oriented because it sounds like I'm giving him a compliment. But but because he was, his crimes, like, he, he had a specific way to do it, a very specific MO, and he was very, like, diligent i don't know but yeah. because of the way he did his kills like he wasn't just a random killer he was very meticulous so yeah thank you god damn he was meticulous so it just is very unlikely that that was his first kill yeah. um so yeah probably a lot more than 30 in five years which i mean i can't even get myself to like use my journal for a year straight oh so that's a, that's doing a lot Insane. um but yeah so since so much happens we're gonna talk we're gonna do this might kind of take a little more time but I think it'll also help and be more thorough because one of the things that we talked about when we watched the Zac Efron movie is I I understand the kind of editing cuts you want to make for a movie to be interesting but Mm -hmm. I just think so fucking much happens in this Ted Bundy story that the jumping around like we were confused and we We were were like if we we are confused (laughs) I don't know how like a layman could watch it yes (laughs) no exactly so we're gonna lay it out for you we're gonna give you dates we're going to give you horrible murders. Yeah. You're going to like it. Yeah. And you know what? I also am going to, like, try my best to also, like, stick to this timeline so you can understand it. I don't want my highness to interfere like that movie where I start jumping around. So call me out when I'm... I will try. All right. Okay. Here we go. February 4th, 1974. Okay. He, Ted Bundy, attacks Joni Lynn, Wins. Is that how you say it? I think. Let's see. Yeah, she lives in the basement. I think she lives in the basement apartment of her yeah. house. Okay, yeah, yeah. And she, um, he just sneaks in through the window, and she's asleep, and he beats her up um, with a metal rod that he broke really off of it, bed, her bed frame, rather. Yeah. Um, insane. And this is the part, like, I, again, super brutal. Yeah, I don't like this. I don't like this. He stuck, not stuck, jammed that rod into her which is really disgusting it's just and i mean it's just such a a demoralizing demeaning it's, yeah it's again the power such yeah exactly exactly and so her roommates find her she's like covered in blood i'm so like she ends up surviving which i think is insane um but she has you know like obviously it's like one of those things like do you want to survive or not no i was just i was like should i say that but yeah. i'm like the literally just the rod inside of her part yes. i'm like how 
fucking painful. Oh my god. I gosh. mean, it like it messed up her organs. Yeah, like exactly. How the recovery yeah. is just so awful. Yeah. Which is why I think it's she so she ends up surviving, but she can never remember the attack. And I'm like, you know, that's probably a yeah, blessing, honestly. honestly. It's shitty because then, you know, she wasn't able to help catch him earlier or whatever but you'd probably never ever sleep again like oh if you God. actually remember i mean just the injuries alone but like if you remembered remember that what that's happening i mean yeah you'd be afraid to exist as yeah. a person no there's no way and unfortunately i know that was intense but we're literally just getting started um february 1974 bundy abducts linda ann keely her name she, always sticks with me. Yeah. Oh, because she's okay. I know why she sticks with me. Why? Because she's the ski reporter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she's got a, a memorable name, Linda yeah. Ann Healy. Yeah, yeah. She okay. sounds like, hi, it's Linda Ann, Ann Healy, Healy with the ski report. Right? Like, I can hear it. Um, but yeah, so she did. She she was known in the community because she did the weekday ski report. She was super. Well, we'll talk more about her. Yeah. But she was super into skiing and she would go on the slopes a lot and. She was from the University District of Seattle. Um, he abducted her and he strangled her. She just didn't never came back to work. Yep. Uh, one month later, we're just in March of 1974. Uh, we have our, it's going to be our third? Yep. Um, he kidnaps and kills Donna Gail Mason. She's Manson. Manson. I didn't want her to be associated with another That's serial fair. killer. That's fair. Manson. I apologize. Donna Gail Manson. She's 19. She's a student at Evergreen State College in Olympia. Um, and her body is never found, which is also horrible. And I just can't imagine that. And I used to not be able to get it Mm -hmm. where I was like, why would you want this body? That's not, you know, like what, why is, what is the difference? It gives you so much closure and it's just being able to have that ceremony and kind of knowing that, like, you can come here, and even though, obviously, she's not, you know. Right. It depends what you believe in with bodies and spirits and whatever, but at least her physical body is there, so it's like you can be near her and feel like you're talking to her. Yeah. Like having to bury, like, an empty casket. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I like to believe that this was her. Um, four years after she dies, two fishermen find um, a human skull near Ed- Eddingtonville. Eatonville? <laughs> I don't know how you made that jump. <laughs> Edenville is the one. <laughs> Edenville, Washington. And you know what? It just wishes it could be so fancy as to be called Edenville. That does sound. It sounds like fish. It's <laughs> Edenville, Washington. All right. There's two fishermen. It's not super fancy, but they do find a human skull. And um, they find some more bones and some hair and some clothes. And the uh, shirt that they find is similar to the shirt that our girl Donna was wearing when she disappeared four years earlier. So hopefully that was her body and was able to at least not be just Have some clothes. Yeah. But also like, can you imagine finding a human skull? Oh my God. I honestly don't even know what I would do. Actually. I feel like a part of me would be like the kids in stand by me where it'd be like, we need to call the cops. I need to sell them. Yeah. Now that I'm like into true crime. Yeah. But also the other part of me is like, I feel like I just would like, be so freaked out and sad and just like paralyzed oh with like not knowing what to do. I wouldn't know what to do. I would be terrified. I wouldn't even think like 
oh, you know, maybe this is a natural death, or maybe so I would immediately assume. Oh, no, it's a murder. And I would immediately assume, which is kind of ridiculous because of its skull that you're finding, it's been gone for a while, but I would immediately assume the killer was, like, near me. Oh, yeah. And run as far <laughs> away from the body as possible. I can see so, <laughs> I really hope I don't ever find a body. Yeah, um, I... Yeah, because, like, on My Favorite Murder, they'll talk about people, and or, like, the people who send in the um stories for the minisodes mm. where they'll say kind of like you know anytime i see like this or this i want i need to look to make sure it's not a you know to yeah. see if it's a body and it's like i get that and, and like it's a good thing we have those people because that's again how cold cases yeah. get solved exactly. but like i just i'm not i feel like most of me it, most of my the time my brain is kind of trying to hide those things from me mm-hmm. like i mean it's it's bullying me yeah with you know anxiety right but at the same time, my amygdala is like, I'm going to work super hard so you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. You just have blinders mm-hmm. on and you don't know how horrible everything is. And you live in the lovely town of Eddington. Yes. In Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So, yes, that was, like, he really just is, like, I think they say on last podcast on the left, berserker mode. Like, yeah. He is just, like, because now insane. we're just a month later again, April 1974. He abducts and kills Susan Elaine Rancourt from Central Washington University in Ellensburg. Also, Susan Elaine is the name of my mom. I was going to say, is that because you... Okay. Yeah. Horrible. Yep. Uh, Then, again, fucking next month, Mm -hmm. May, Bundy abducts Roberta Kathy in quotations park so i guess she went by kathy i was like is that her middle name but because then they put it in quotes so how how did she get the nickname kathy that's what i'd like to know maybe maybe she just liked that name and just chose it for herself maybe like when i made people call me michelle because i was so obsessed with full house and the olsen twins yeah yes (laughs) i like that um but so he kidnaps her from oregon state you know did i just say it wrong no, no, you did. Oregon. Okay. Oregon, you did great. Oregon State University. Uh, around 11 p.m., he he claims to have raped and killed her at Taylor Mountain, which is 25 miles southeast of Seattle. And he is not slowing down at all. Nope. Um, June, June 1st. Yeah. <laughs> June 1st, 1974, he abducts Brenda Carroll Ball in the town of uh, Burien? I don't know. South of Seattle. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and her skull was later found at Taylor Mountain. Yeah. Taylor Mountain ends up becoming a... That's like a dumping ground for Yeah. But, um, so we've been progressing month by month. Now we're going to go just uh, 10 days later. Jesus. It's going to be June 11th, 1974, and he's going to kidnap and kill 18-year-old Georgian Hawkins from the... Uni- oh, this one's so sad. Yeah. The University District of Seattle. Um... This one, it's just, it's so sad and so insane to me. Okay, so she's at her boyfriend's house, and she walks six houses down to go get some Spanish notes. So, okay, so she walks six houses down from her boyfriend to go get these Spanish notes, and she even talks to a friend who, like, sees her out the window, and they chat, and then she's 40 feet? 30 feet? 30 feet. Oh, no, you were right the first time. 40 feet? I mean, (laughs) you know, those 10 feet are very different. 40 feet, I can understand. No. No, 40 40 feet. 40 feet is insane. Yeah. 
and she's 40 feet away. She's 40 feet away. Sorry, she's not 40 feet tall. That's really crazy. <laughs> no, she literally was 40 feet away from, like, like Jamie said, she was walking down the street, yeah. and then she just had to, like, turn a corner, and she was basically home. Yeah. And it's, I just, it's, it's so creepy to me, and, like, oh, God. Anyways, so she's, she's taken in this alley, 40 feet from her home at 1230 in the morning, um, and Bundy just took her took her took, took her you're very upset um about it. yeah i mean it it's is just very frustrating really you're so and, and just out. think like 12 30 well okay first of all it's the idea that like everyone you know you picture this like girl alone in a garage yeah. or something like literally she was surrounded by she's on a college campus people were studying like it's a she bright was just alley. at her boyfriend's house someone just yelled at her out the yeah. window it would be that scene in a horror movie where the friend is like right there and then he turns around and doesn't see like that yeah. literally happened exactly it's go walk six houses down like like 40 feet is that's nothing insane. six houses away is nothing yeah well, no. like 40 feet from your house it's absolutely insane. on a college campus on a college campus yeah and I mean, I don't know. I feel like these are all big state universities as well. well so there's got to be a lot of people and a lot of partying. Yeah. And I just, typical. I just feel like when you're on a college campus, like obviously you, you're still like in the world, but it just feels more secure because you're yeah. part of this almost little bubble. Doesn't matter. Nope. And uh, Ted Bunny says that he knocks her out and then strangles her. Which makes sense because the fact that he, like, he must have right. just grabbed her. Exactly. Which and is also weird because his, his MO is usually his, like, hi, I have, like, a broken yeah, arm. Yeah. Like, can you help me carry my briefcase? I don't know. Exactly. Which, like, if a man is asking you for help, like, yeah, don't. No. no. It's like Karen and Georgia say, too, like, if, like, adults are asking children for help, like, yeah. no, they will not ask you. Think of, like, doing anything with your, like, bro-y guy friend. Yeah. Like, he won't even let you help him when you actually know what's up yeah because he has to do it himself oh my yes we're being a little stereotypical but like but honestly i mean we live in a patriarchal society not to get philosophical on y'all but yeah think of your freaking best guy friend exactly even not the bro like the idea a nice one of like someone going around this guy asking multiple women that doesn't make sense well, and it's just like he has like a broken arm or something, and yeah. he's like, "Can you help me carry my briefcase?" A guy would have he. I mean, honestly, me, I would be like, "You, you, you'd want to like prove that you like." If yes, you had this, I would carry my briefcase, and if someone asked if they could help, I carry it on my I'd head say, if I had to. No, yeah, be like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then you just struggle, like when the groceries are too heavy, but you're like, "I'm gonna bring them all in." Yeah, in one trip. Exactly. And then you like cry later, but like. I was going to be stubborn, and I was going to do that. I did that. I sat and uh, on the side of the road and had a guy watch me try and change my tire for 20 minutes, which I know how to do, but I couldn't, like, have the strength to do it. Mm. And he, I finally let him because he was, like, asked me at first, and I was like, no, I got it, sir. And then he, like, kind of just watched me, like, pull down, down a little bit further and watch me. So if me as a um, shy, people-pleasing woman <laughs> can't even – be like hey can you help me with yeah. this thing you have to believe that ted and his little bum arm are yeah he is gonna have too much of an ego to be like yeah. oh please help me walk these 40 feet no absolutely not all right so i think we're having a good discussion and everything but also i don't want to make this like a five-hour episode so we're gonna break there for now so hopefully you're hooked and we'll listen to the next episode yeah because uh we'll be here hi Mm-hmm.
and hi. Oh no, it doesn't work when we're signing off. Damn it. I can't say hi and hi. Like the two meanings of hi and hi. Well, you could say and bye. Bye and bye. Hi <laughs> <laughs> and bye. Hi oh, and bye. <laughs> um, but yeah. So in the meantime, if you are I don't know if you've taken a liking to us. Mm. We try to be entertaining. You can follow us on Instagram. That is going to be at High Crime Pod or Facebook. It's also going to be High Crime Pod, but now it says three words, not an et. Because <laughs> that's because that's how Facebook, Facebook works. Uh, Twitter. We're back to et. Just kidding. Um, no, Twitter our handle at High Crime Pod. And the website. Don't you believe it? Highcrimepod.com. Look, we tried to have a cohesive. I we try to make it easy it. on you. You can find it wherever you go. Exactly. If you're more of a Facebook person, go follow us there. Mm-hmm. Like us there, actually. That's mm-hmm. the correct terminology. Yeah. Go follow us on Instagram. Whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. You can say hi on Twitter. We're down for whatever. I love Twitter. It's very confessional for me. So, you know yeah, what? there you go. It's perfect. Let's talk about uh, some murder. I'm fine with that. Um, All right. So, uh, we will be back with part two of Ted Bundy next week. Okay. If all goes well. So, later, later buds. buds.